You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. Well, we're beginning a five-week series in September, which is our vision series, looking at who we are and why we're here. Many people are new to our church and are discovering what we're about. And we're principally about joining God in what He's doing in the city. So we're going to look at what we think it means to join with God in what He is doing in our city. But just so we know kind of who's in the room, my feeling is that there's lots of new people in our church. And so let's just do a little straw poll here. How many of you have been here for more than five years at Vintage? More than five years. Great. Between like three and five years. How many between three and five? Between two and three? And then less than two years? Look at you guys. Welcome. It's good to have you. So hopefully today will help us all reorient around who we are as a church, what God is calling us to do. And this morning, I want to begin with, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are you in Los Angeles? Many people ask my wife and I that question, why are you in LA? I'm English, my wife's Australian, our eldest daughter was born in Switzerland, middle child in London, third child in Raleigh, North Carolina. And people say, why are you in Los Angeles? Is it because, do you have family nearby? No, we don't. Is it because of the climate? Well, we love it, but we didn't come for that. Is it because you love to spot celebrities? Not at all. Is it because of the beaches? Not really. Is it the theme parks? If you know me, absolutely not. As you can tell, I came for the fashion and fitness culture. And... But I don't know why. We have lots of different answers. Most of us are here because we were born here or we were brought here by some practical circumstances. That may be true, but I want today to remind us all that we are here for a deeper reason. That God has us here for a deeper reason. There are different words to describe you in the Bible. There's a child of God, a servant of God. One word is often overlooked, and we don't really live into it too much, and that is you are a sent one. What is commonly known as a missionary. And we think of missionaries as those who, who leave on a boat across the ocean to a land far away, and we may never see them again. But we are all, in the words of Jesus, to go and make disciples And many of us have been sent to Los Angeles. You are here either because God wants you to stay here, you were born here, or because you were sent here for some other practical reason, but all of us, because we're here, we have a job to do. God has given your life significance and meaning and purpose to be what we call an urban missionary in the name of Jesus, to bring the light and love and grace and renewal of Jesus Christ to our city. So this morning, we're going to look at that in particular. We're going to dig deep in what it means to be an urban missionary. For whatever reason you think you've come to LA, this is deeper, that God has given you significance 
and purpose and meaning in being His people, His missionaries in our city. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16 and look at Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he's traveling around starting new churches. We're going to look at Paul being sent to a new city, as many of us have come to our city here. In Acts chapter 16, we're going to begin in verse 6. It says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. To set the scene here, Paul is in modern-day Turkey, traveling around, visiting churches he'd started before and starting new ones. He wasn't thinking of going over the sea into Greece, what is called here Macedonia. The gospel actually hadn't spread there yet. And so he's trying to go this way or that way across modern-day Turkey, but the Spirit of God prevents him. Prevents him going north, prevents him going here, so he's kind of hanging out in Troas, wondering, what do we do next? And then he has a vision. One night, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia. The word here, vision, is not a dream. God can speak through dreams, but it's specifically not the word dream. So he must have been up in the night, maybe having a sleepless night in the heat that we are having. Who knows? But in the night, he had a vision, a vision of a man from Macedonia. Now, Macedonia, we don't know how Paul knew it was a man from Macedonia, probably wearing Macedonian gear. But it would have been fairly obvious because the Greek culture was the elite culture of the time. Roman and Greek culture, as you know, was the prosperous, sophisticated, philosophical, economical, cultural source of the known world at the time. There would be a culture that you look at and go, They have it all together. We want to be like them. They've got the education. They've got the politics. They've got the economics. That They were the leading culture of the time. They were the elites. They they were the celebrities of the day. The people that we want to be like. And so imagine Paul's surprise when a cultural elite who seems to have everything they've ever wanted is standing in front of Paul begging for help begging for help. In other words, no matter what these cultural elites were stuffing into their souls, whether it be leisure, pleasure, treasure, educational formation, political sophistication, cultural artifacts, whatever it was that they were having and enjoying, it wasn't enough. That deep down, God wanted Paul to see that deep down, Beneath the economics, beneath the prosperity, beneath the fashion, beneath the sophistication, people's hearts remained starving, starving for meaning, for significance, 
for value. You see, Paul was able to have a glimpse of the cries of the heart beneath the veneer of success. It said at once they decided to leave for Macedonia. There was something that generated a heart response of, we can't delay, we can't wait a few weeks, we can't sit down and just let this happen. We are so burdened by this begging for help, we have to go bring Jesus to these people. And so at once, Paul and his team left for Macedonia. They were sent to bring the good news of Jesus to a people, to a city, begging for help. It looked all good on the surface, but beneath there was the cry of those who don't know him. And so it is with our city. When Lizzie and I were first asked to come to Los Angeles to help start a new church, we'd never really been. We'd been kind of once, kind of before, just driven through. But we really didn't know much about the city. It wasn't on our top five cities in the world to live in. We hadn't even thought of living in Los Angeles. We were living in Raleigh, North Carolina at the time. Looking at where next, but Los Angeles was not on our radar. And then we suddenly had this call to come and consider starting a new church in L.A., Lizzie, we had three kids at the time. Lizzie wasn't able to come out with me for like a, a scouting weekend. So I came out and I remember flying into LA. And as you know, when you fly into Los Angeles, you seem to hit Los Angeles about 45 minutes before you land. You're flying over, over this massive sprawling city. And I remember coming in, looking out, going, how big is this place? And I didn't quite know what to expect. And I remember hearing a whisper from God, yeah, when you land, don't look at the beauty. Don't look at the palm trees and the beaches. Look beyond those. Look beyond the hearts of people. And listen to their hearts. It was kind of like God was asking me to do what Paul had seen. To look beyond the veneer to what is really in people's hearts. And I remember walking around Santa Monica and then someone gave me their little scooter to borrow. So I was scooting around town. And on one hand, I was trying to have fun on a scooter in Santa Monica. That was not bad. But my heart, the more I would look, the more I would pray, the more I'd listen to what God was saying, my heart broke for the city. Beneath the beauty, beneath the fashion, beneath the beaches, I could sense the cry of loneliness, the cries of rejection, the cries of insignificant, the cries of, am I truly of any value? I could sense people looking for leisure, pleasure, treasure, and still feeling unsatisfied. And there was a moment where I was on a beach up towards Malibu, and you could look over the bay back to Santa Monica, and it felt like God just deposited His heart in mine for the city of Los Angeles. And it was a heavy heart. 
It felt like I was starting to hear what Paul heard, the cries of people begging for help. It was at that time that Lizzie and I then started to, started to talk about what it meant to move out here with our children. Not because we thought L.A. would be the best place to raise our kids. Not because we thought it'd be fun to live in a city with high taxation. <laughs> Not because we thought it'd be fun to make new friends every three years because people come and go all the time. We didn't come. Because of L.A., we came for the sake of L.A. We came because God sent us like he sent you to come be salt and light, be agents of his love, agents of his renewal in this city. Vince's church, when we talk about who we are, it has to begin with why we're here. And so many times we can get stuck into, we are here for the sake of Christians. And I love church. I love feeling refreshed. I love being fed. I love finding friends. I love finding your people. But it's all very insular if we don't remember that we are blessed with all of these things so that we can be equipped to go out and bring God's love and His gospel and renewal to our city. You have a deeper calling. God looked at you, looked at the unique cocktail of the ingredients of personality and gifting and history of brokenness and health and said, huh, I want you in Los Angeles because there's going to be people, there's going to be circumstances that are uniquely tailored in my providence for you to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been called to the city. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means to be called. What does it mean then to outwork our mission in this city? I'm going to give you an overview just so you can see whenever God calls us to mission in a city, there's four directions that goes in. There's four directions of mission wherever God places you. Here's a little homemade graphic. You can tell it's me. I know. Don't blame the graphic design team. That's me right there. You are in the middle. We are in the middle. And there's always four fronts of mission. The first, of course, is telling others about Jesus. Helping people discover the beauty of Jesus in love and humility and respect. Secondly, is loving the city practically through mercy ministries and social transformation. Coming alongside in practical care of the, the lost and the overlooked and the least in our society. Leaning into what Jesus talked about and being the hands and feet of Jesus. Leaning into what it means to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. Leaning into what it means to be the Good Samaritan, to bind up the brokenhearted. And so we do partner with local agencies across the city who are doing a great job. We don't reinvent the wheel, but we go to people who are doing such a fantastic job, people like the Salvation Army or Claris Health or Harvest Home, and say, can we join you in loving our city in the name of Jesus? practically, that they may know that Jesus cares about their physical well-being, their economic well-being. And you can join us in that. You can go on our website, see the missions that we do across the city. We want to be agents of his love. Then there's cultural renewal. That means 
wherever God has placed you in your vocation primarily, whether it be you're a dentist or a doctor or an artist or a musician or a full-time parent, whatever it may be, that you are called into that vocation to witness to the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom come forth in practical ways of mercy and love and justice. So much of our thinking of mission is about telling people about Jesus. And we forget that actually we've been placed in Genesis 1 and 2 to be agents of his kingdom in the world. To bring forth institutions and instruments of mercy and grace and love and justice. It doesn't have to have the word Jesus attached to it. For us to actually to be Healing this world in the name of Jesus. I was in business for about 12 years. And it was so exciting to think, well, sure, I've got my colleagues that I want to tell about Jesus. That's one way of doing mission. But the other way of mission is, wow, I'm a lawyer. What does it look like to be a Christian lawyer? What does it look like to outwork the kingdom of God through legal principles? What does it look like to actually show mercy and God's grace through the legal instruments. I was then in marketing for a while. And what does it mean for Jesus to be a marketeer? Could that ever be so? What does it look like if Jesus was in charge of the marketing profession? What would marketing look like if Jesus was in charge? What would finance be look like? What would lending be look like? What would dentistry look like? What would mothering and fathering look like? What would community action look like? What would teaching look like if Jesus was in charge? If Jesus was doing this, how would he weave the redemptive story of healing into his profession? So often we've forgotten that our primary mission field is our vocation. And the importance of that is significant because in our city, what has most shaped our city historically are not individuals but institutions. If you think about how our city lives and breathes today, most of it is a result of the decisions of various industries, the car industry, the transportation in industry, the oil industry, the water industry the entertainment industry. You think of the, the, the injustice of racial injustice driven by restrictive covenants and redlining over the years. And so there's a place for the people of God to be missional, is to be, in these, to be influential in these industries for the sake of the kingdom. To actually enact policies that are just and loving and gracious and merciful. To go into local schools and bring about environments of love and joy and grace. To be people who bring the redemptive edge of God's kingdom. I used to love being in ministry in the marketplace. I used to gather together with other lawyers and go, what does it mean to be a Christian lawyer? When we're doing M&A transactional contract work for these hedge funds, what does it mean for me to be a Christian in this environment? 
It's challenging, but it's intoxicating to work out. This is where God has placed me. When I'm trying to sell laundry detergent as a marketeer, what does it mean for me to be a Christian and the brand manager of Tide? What does it mean? And I for so long just thought, well, these two things don't go together. I guess the best I can do is maybe under the bottom of the Tide laundry detergent box, write in invisible ink, John 3.16. Maybe that's what I should do. Because we've got such a, a separated view of just telling people about Jesus versus the, the, the renewal mandate of Genesis 1 and 2 is that go and create beauty in the world. Go and redeem things for Jesus. Go and heal and bring light and goodness. The fourth way on this chart is through starting new churches. Starting new churches across Los Angeles. Now, many people go, why do we need new churches? And statistically, there's about 10% as many churches today than there were in the 1950s in our city. And yet there's more people in our city. Churches have been closing. New churches very rarely start. Many of the church buildings are now almost empty and being converted into other things. And yet, I don't know about you, but I don't know where I'd be without the community of Jesus in my area. I don't know what I'd be like if I was trying to do this thing on my own. That God actually sends us into mission together, not alone. It's such a joy, isn't it, to come to your group or come to church on Sunday and be refreshed. Receive prayer at our prayer ministry team. Listen to a decent sermon when Gare's not preaching. You know, it's so encouraging. And yet, so many people across our city don't have that opportunity without getting in the car and driving a long way. Local churches, local communities of the kingdom that they can be salt and light where they are. These are the four fronts of mission. These are why we exist here in LA. This is why you exist here in LA. And you may have a particular drawing to one of these fronts, but collectively, that's what we are called to do. Someone once said to me, so often people think the church is like a cruise ship. This amazing community of fun, of groups, of activities, of finding your people and going to this amazing show once a week. And it's all fantastic, but it's all for the sake of the people on the ship. And it's not doing anyone else any good. And so often we can see the church like that. I need some friends. Yes, we do. Man, I need encouragement. Yes, we do. Yeah, I want to grow my faith. Absolutely. But if we're not careful, if all those things are the end result, we will end up spiritually chubby on a cruise ship. Overfed and underpurposed. The reality is the church has never been a cruise ship. The cruise ship model has yet, has sadly, been very popular. 
But we are a different type of ship. We are a loving battleship. <laughs> going in to bring and advance the gospel of love and gospel of light into the darkness. And guess what? On a battleship, there's still community. But it's around a shared purpose, which is far more rich. There's still meetings together. But guess what? Those meetings are for refreshment and equipping for us to go about our purpose. There's still pastoral care because you get injured in battle sometimes. And we need some time out just to patch each other up. But then we patch each other up to get us back in the game. At Vintage, we are on a mission together. As Paul said, in light of a city begging for help, a city that all around us looks like it has it all together, but beneath we hear the cries of people who are lost, who are empty, who are still searching, that we want to come and bring the good news of Jesus. I want to end by just giving a little insight into how we do one of these quadrants, which is telling others. I love to tell others about Jesus, but I'm not very good at it. How many of you are really good at telling others about Jesus? Amazing. One. So we're going to delegate two. We're going to delegate everything to you guys, all right? But that's how we feel, right? We normally delegate what is traditionally called evangelism to the experts or these fine folks in the front row. <laughs> because the rest of us are terrified, right? And with good reason. We're not just terrified because we're scaredy cats, right? With good reason, because there's actual significant opposition right now to any kind of sharing our faith. There's a story which I've got to say every Vision Sunday, every kind of Vision series. Many of you have heard it before. Has anybody not heard the story of me going into a bar in Beverly Hills? Any of you not heard that story? Great. So I've got to say it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for those who've heard it 4,000 times. So I arrived in LA to scout the ground, looking for people maybe to plant this church with Amy, who has started it down here with me, and my wife. And I met this guy. He was super friendly. And I thought, oh, great, this is awesome. And he said, well, why don't you come to this launch event tonight in Beverly Hills? I went, Cool, this is, I'm, I'm from the north of England, kind of the depressed north of England. I'm now at a bar in Beverly Hills at a launch night. So I went there, I turned up, waited outside. This guy never showed. My first insight into LA culture. <laughs> I went in anyway. I thought, forget it, I'm going in, I'm thirsty. Got a gin and tonic, I sat down at this, well, I stood at this cocktail table, and then I started to talk to three people at this cocktail table. Amazing three people talking about their, their acting dreams, what they were hoping to do in LA, where they're from. They each were working on a script, which was uh, amazing. I was so excited. Um, after a half an hour, one of them said the inevitable. They said, oh, so Gare, what brings you to LA? I said, oh, bro, it's going so well. I don't really want to say. <laughs> he went, no, 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 mate, this is Los Angeles. Yeah, we're for you. We're, we're, we'll cheer you on. This, everything's normal here. It's totally fine. I went, mate, it's not going to go well. So that made them even more curious. They went, no, come on, it's okay. You're safe. You're safe with us. I said, well, I'm here to start a new church. 
I'm a pastor, and I'm, we're flying out. My family are going to start a new church in Santa Monica. The guy on my left just picked up his drink and left. <laughs> the guy in front of me picked up his drink and looked at me and said, but you're such a nice guy. <laughs> and then he left. And the girl on my right, lady on my right, just looked at me. Tears filled her eyes. Her face went red, which I, I, it looked like she was scared of me. Like I was going to judge her. And she left. Welcome to Los Angeles, where my job is to tell people about Jesus. And it looks like every, everyone I'm trying to tell Jesus just cuts me off and it's social suicide. But that's how we feel, right? That's how we feel in our workplace. That's how we feel in society. Um, and I get it because actually I have seen Christians tell people about Jesus terribly, without love, without respect, forcing it on people, judging them, shaming them, as if that's going to win them to Jesus. So I get it. I don't want to be like that. So I'm in this quandary, maybe like you. How do we tell people about Jesus in this cultural moment, in our city, without being pushy, arrogant, cheesy, judgmental, shaming, and losing our friends, right? We're kind of caught in this, I want you to, to discover Jesus because he's amazing, but I don't know how to do that. So at Vintage, we, I think we found something that helps. And that is something called Alpha. Alpha is a series of about eight dinner conversations. Before COVID, we had about 300 people come. Where people who, not too sure what they believe, or maybe they're kind of not too sure what they believe anymore. And they can come to an environment where it's not preachy, where it's safe, where it's loving, where it's relaxed, where the majority of the people in the room have got major questions, and for the first time they found a safe environment to ask them. What we found is that we need to create a safe space for people who've been hurt by the church, or don't like Christians, or think Jesus is like we've rejected Jesus 20 years ago. That people can, in their questions, in their hunger, they can come and in safety and fun, find friends and go on a journey at their own pace in working out what they believe. I'm on my around 39th alpha because I've got a long way to go. But I do it every semester because we want to humbly and respectfully help people with questions, help people with doubts, go on their own journey without pressure, without judgment, without any kind of preaching at people. So on September the 20th, we kick off our Alpha. We kick it off with a launch night, which is kind of just come and see, hear about Alpha. We normally have about 300 people come, so it's very safe. We open up the Alpha pub. It feels very safe. Most of the people in the room would not call themselves Christians. So you can bring their friends. And guess what? They're going to have a fun time. And then they can decide for themselves if they want to come back and go on this Alpha journey. Now, most of you go, I'm never going to bring my friend to Alpha because it's going to be weird and they're going to hate it. Right? I had a big phobia about bringing my non-Christian friends ever to church. 
because they'll bump into someone who will shame them or it'll be lame and they'll lose their friend. I was maybe a bit stressed by that. So here's a film that we made just to give you a glimpse into actually you can trust that Alpha will be a really fun environment to, for you to bring your friend. Let's watch this film. I heard that it was just like a place to talk about real things and have open, honest conversation about some deep topics. I had heard Alpha was a great place to bring people with questions and that's what I did. I was worried that my friend might feel uncomfortable. I was really nervous. I thought that it would be weird. And I had never served in this manner before. I wasn't sure if I was gonna have to you know, have all the answers. I was like second guessing myself, but as soon as I walked in, like I was immediately greeted by someone. There was no like awkward, who do I talk to, where do I stand? I was led to my group. People were so nice and so friendly. And you walk in and you're nervous, but very quickly, just the atmosphere, it calms you down. And it calms down the guests too. The registration's super easy. Um, the food is really good. They always cater really great food, or sometimes they even cook, which is awesome. Yes, the food was amazing and the drinks were really good too. They always had like the latest and greatest. Beer and wine like right as you walk in. So you can just grab a drink, kind of ease in, you know, talk with your friend, make them feel comfortable. The guests come with different stories. They come with different questions, new doubts. The speaker uh, was not your typical unapproachable Christian figure. It's just like a normal human being. And it was really engaging. Like the discussion was great. Um, the group leaders were awesome and super kind. And it was really, it was really great. The night was so fun and so warm and so friendly. If you haven't been a guest, I think everyone should try Alpha. If you're looking to serve, you're looking to connect, help with Alpha. It's really for everyone. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little challenge. All you have to do to tell others about Jesus, all I'm asking you to do is bring someone to Alpha. In fact, you don't have to tell them about Jesus. Just bring them to Alpha. And then they can go on their journey at their own pace and their own questions. And so I'm going to give you a challenge. Think of three people in your life who you think, you know what? I'm going to, tr I'm going to pray that I get the opportunity to bring them to Alpha. And then bring one. At least one. You may bring 20, but at least one. And it may be actually you're here thinking, actually, I think I'll do Alpha. Because we have a community of people at all stages of their faith. And you may be here thinking, I'm not too sure what I believe. Or I'm not too sure what I believe anymore. I grew up with something and I'm not too sure what I believe anymore. Well, Alpha's the place for you. But whatever you think is the reason you're here in L.A., there is a deeper one, that God has brought you here to be his hands and feet, to serve this city, and ultimately to help a city begging for help discover the love and grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.